Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Mental Health Matters. This is Tom Duff, Executive Director of St. Louis Counseling. If you're curious about St. Louis Counseling, go to our website, stlouiscounseling.org. Make sure you spell out Saint, stlouiscounseling.org. And so, as always, this podcast, you know, we try to break down stigma. We try to talk about mental health in a way that makes it okay to talk about around the dinner table, um, to be able to differentiate between mental health, mental illness, emotional health, and all those components that go with that. And as always, you know, well, almost always, sometimes I go solo (laughs) and I try to, you know, talk myself. A one-man show, right? (laughs) Um, but we have a guest again back today. Uh, today we have local comedian Meredith Hopping. How are you, Meredith? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Excellent. I'm excited. Um, yeah. our, uh, our mutual friend as well as Midcoast Media, Chris Denman, yes. uh, introduced us. And uh, I'm so excited because I think we'll have a good conversation uh, about some you know, just life stressors, Absolutely. and then I'm always curious about the comedic world and everything. Yeah. So hopefully you're going to be really funny today, ah, and you're going to make me no laugh. Pressure, because no mental pressure. health, you know, it's about laughter, right? Have it makes I us feel happy. I have anxiety. <laughs> and th- no, <laughs> I do, but yeah. That's good then. Yeah. We can talk about that, Absolutely. and then also in a way that might be uh, engaging for people mm-hmm. out there. Definitely. But you know, as we were uh, kind of talking ahead of time, uh, as we were getting set up here, uh, we both went to the same school. Yeah. Ah, I have a feeling it was a couple years uh, <laughs> apart, probably, right? I don't know. I'm sure you grade very um, early. So, oh, <laughs> thank you. That's what I was going with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we both went to Illinois State University, mm-hmm. uh, So, which means we both lived in normal, normal Illinois. Normal yeah. Illinois. Sometimes it's not so normal, no, uh, is it? No. Yeah. I graduated from normal community high school as well. I was a townie. Oh, you were a yeah, townie that I went on townie. there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We always pointed you guys out, yeah. like Townie. Yeah. <laughs> they knew their way around. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Was what'd you major in there? A theater. Theater. Yeah. Sean Hayes also majored in theater. Yeah. Sean Hayes was actually a music major. Oh, really? Not a theater major, but did some of the musicals. But we do have John Malkovich. Oh yeah. yeah. And Laurie Metcalf and all the people who started Steppenwolf. Um, uh-huh. So yeah. Nice. Pretty good. See, Illinois State has some claim to fame. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I was a criminal justice major. Nice. Ended up in social work. Yeah. It was a good time. We had a class where uh, we had to follow our professor around, Dr. Morn. I'm sure he's listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, part of the, the assignment was we had to pair up in groups, and then the goal was to... Um, uh, trail him around town okay. and then he, he couldn't find out about it yeah. and that would affect your grade however long oh you were goodness. doing it yeah so like you know we'd be out in the bushes in front of his house right. waiting and uh yeah it was Did really he have a family yeah yeah oh. yeah i know I wonder how so I felt about looking that. back Boundaries. his his uh his wife was a uh professor okay. at illinois state as okay. well too in uh, minority relations but um but yeah, I look back and I'm like, that was just weird yeah. that we did that. But work-life balance. Yeah, we were in college, so it was cool, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, that's enough of that memory lane, right? Yeah. Um, our Illinois ties. Um, so, you know, the world of comedy, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm always interested to know, like, how did you realize you were funny, or how right. did you realize right. you wanted to then go try it, right? Absolutely. So, so I was a theater major. More, I focused more on opera. Um, and always, uh, being a vocalist was kind of more my thing. And it wasn't until my senior year of college that I had a professor in an auditioning class that said, Oh, Meredith, 
you're funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that would have been, you know, really great to have yeah. been focusing on and investing in these past four years. Um, but then I just kind of let it go to the wayside, worked in uh, mostly ministry, mostly youth ministry. And um, my ex-husband was a pastor and uh, it wasn't until I turned 30 and then I made a list of 30 things I was going to try since huh. I had turned 30 and I tried stand-up comedy was one wow. of those things. And so I didn't get around to it. Uh, and then I turned uh, 33 and that February, Valentine's Day actually had our third child and between postpartum depression and the election, I don't know if it's safe to say that. <laughs> oh, you're, you're safe. It's a podcast, <laughs> right? So I, was, I was at my wit's end, and I'm like, I need something tangible. I need to go do something where there's a guaranteed response. People are either going to laugh or they're not. Uh-huh. And so I went and did my first open mic, and I was, wow. yeah, that was it. I knew that it, that's what I had to do. So uh, going into that open mic, Oh, I got several questions. But going yeah. in open mic, did you did you script out some areas Absolutely. you were going to yeah. look at? No, I was. I did my research. I knew the closest comedy club to our house was the Funny Bone. I knew mm -hmm. that you automatically got on if it was your first time ever doing stand up, and I knew you could do four minutes. And so, I had it all down. Um, it was funny because the person who went right before me completely bombed. And I had all my friends and my then husband who were there texting me like, stop watching, uh -huh. stop watching because your empathy is going to take over <laughs> and you're going to be so distracted that uh -huh. you're not going to be able to focus and do yours. And so then I did it. And that first laugh is, it's really hard to describe how wow. electrifying it is. Wow. Yeah. Talk about a confidence builder, huh? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Was that the funny bone, uh, the one up in Westport? Or was this before mm -hmm. when there was one in Valley Park? No, too? yeah, oh, I'm okay. after Valley Park time. Oh, so. okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. I've been, uh, we had just moved, and uh, I was like, there's a funny bone, we're by Valley Park, okay. and then I'm like, there's a funny bone right there. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. And then it closed. And then yeah. I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Um, so, you know, two things you mentioned, uh, as we were talking already. So you mentioned like, Hey, I got anxiety. Hey, right. I got post, I had postpartum yeah. depression, right? All the things. And then you, <laughs> <laughs> you got your check, check. Right. Right. But then for someone who has anxiety to go do stand up, right. Yeah. That's going to be a little nerve wracking. You know what? I think I, cause people had said, Oh, why didn't you do improv instead of stand up? Like why was stand up your entry into comedy stuff and I don't want to do something where I can't control other people uh -huh. when it's stand-up it's just me that I can control and I can only blame myself uh, if something goes wrong and so it's interesting because even with all the you know growing up I was in all the music things all the theater things I would I didn't know yet that I had anxiety and before every performance I just could not control my energy. I could not control uh, my mood, and we didn't know why. Um, and it, it's interesting that with stand-up, I never have that. I don't get nervous wow. at all. And it actually, when I did my first big weekend hosting for Nicole Byer, who's the host of Nailed It on uh -huh. Netflix, that dessert yeah. fail show. <laughs> yeah. um, I just remember, you know, being ready to go out before they announced my name and just thinking of that Joan of Arc quote uh, where she says, I'm not afraid I was born to do this. Mm -hmm. And so for me, comedy, that's 
that's what it is. And for whatever reason, I don't get nervous. I don't feel anxiety. It's just, this is what I have to be doing. So, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like comfort. It's comfortable. Absolutely. Right? Yes. All right. And then postpartum depression. Yeah. So, so you were kind of going through that at the time yes. when you went. When I started. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my son would have been. So I had my son uh, February of 2000. What year is it? 2017. 2000, he okay, was born okay. in 2017. And then I did stand up June 27th of that same year. So um, he was about four. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Four um, but yeah, and I had had, so as my third child, I had had postpartum depression with all three. With the first one, as I'm sure many mothers can relate, you're too ashamed to mm-hmm. admit that you're going through it because there is so much stigma, which is why I was so excited to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just have this idea like you're supposed to be in complete love with your child and this is what you were created to do. So isn't everything wine and roses? And uh-huh. when it isn't, um, you're really embarrassed about sharing that reality. And so I also, on top of it, had a very traumatic birth, which a lot of people uh, don't, again, it becomes that thing like, you have a healthy baby, get mm-hmm. over yourself, mm-hmm. you should be happy. Um, whereas I had a completely natural labor with no medication for 21 hours and wow. two hours of pushing when I had to have an emergency C-section where they nicked my uterine artery. Oh my goodness. And I wasn't able to hold my daughter for like six hours. Uh. And so I had already, you know, I had read all the Ida Mae Garten, like the red tent, all the, you know, the Uh. biblical stuff. This is what my body was made to do. Uh And so to have that seemingly epic of a failure and then not be able to hold my daughter and all this stuff, but have everyone be like, you should be so thankful. It becomes, you kind of go inward and you don't want to share because you're afraid it might make you seem ungrateful. When the reality is, if we're not taking care of ourselves, Uh everything goes to crap. I am a fairly clean comedian. (laughs) I tried when I started. There was one joke actually about pooping Uh while giving birth. Um, that I tried to say the S word. Uh-huh. I don't know how yeah, yeah. edited it's this okay, is. But, yeah. um, mm. And it sounded so silly uh-huh. because it's not me. Like yeah. there are other comedians who sound great when they it drop It flows naturally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for me, it doesn't work. Um, You're more yeah. of a pooper or a crapper. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah there exactly. You go. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, the we don't do at least in the church i feel and that's my experience so i'm the granddaughter daughter and now ex-wife of pastors wow you've got yeah. a full, <laughs> full 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 tutelage there yes, right yes yeah and so i don't know especially coming from a place of quote unquote esteem right the idea of admitting uh, fault and admitting mm-hmm. need whether it's said outright um, or not is something that is kind of inherent, that if I do this, I might affect someone or I might affect someone's ministry or all Mm -hmm. this stuff. When the reality is, and one thing as I've gotten older, I found is that I believe my faith, which is the Christian faith, correlates with the exact opposite, with Mm -hmm. transparency, with admitting need. And um, so, yeah, I think that's just an amazing evolution I've seen in um, the three different births of my children. And that with the third, I was just like, this is what it is. 
uh-huh. this is what I'm dealing with and I'm going to figure out things to do to help with it. Um, and medication is definitely one of those things too. So, so that, that was able to be in the yeah. assistance then. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, did you realize, cause I, so for the people that are listening out there, you know, for, you know, a lot of us like me, of course, mm-hmm. as a male, I'm not going to understand fully, you know? Right. So as, as you're talking, did you realize that the symptoms, did you realize your symptoms or were you at a state where, you know, like, uh, or did someone have to point it out? Um, I think that I, re- with, with our first child, I think I realized it and just wanted to deny it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was smart enough to not share with who would do anything about it, if that makes yes, sense. Yes. Um, and so they give you those surveys, like check. The, and I'm like, well, if I say I feel like breaking the mirror, yeah. I, like yeah. I know <laughs> the cause and effect of that this. nurse is going to tell that nurse <laughs> yeah, is going to tell. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so there's I think we're led to believe that there's no middle ground like you're either. Uh, and this comes too with people not understanding mental health and mental illness, like you're either perfect and everything is peachy or you're psychotic. Mm-hmm. And so for those that might find themselves in the middle ground, it can be really scary and really gray and hard to wade through. And um, that's, I think, one of the most important things. I've also recently, as I've said, my ex-husband gone through a divorce. And mm-hmm. so... Major stressor there. Major stressor. Right? And people, uh, we've got to have grace on both sides because people do not know how to just sit in grief with people and sit in pain with people and so um the response is often either try to fix it Uh immediately and find a solution or ignore it and ignore the person and both are pretty traumatic uh Uh in their own ways and so um it's just been a really great uh thing going through especially the divorce process being able to see um, how other people have dealt with it. I actually have a bit that I do on stage about my mom trying to figure out like, well, why do you, why do you think your marriage failed? <laughs> and then we're talking about uh, growing up and she's like, you didn't really have anything traumatic happen growing up. And I'm just like, junior high? <laughs> like I was already six feet tall and 110 pounds. Like... <laughs> I was called Lurch by all the boys. <laughs> it was traumatic. So, but not that that has anything to do with yeah. my marriage failing. It's just funny how people try to. You had the perfect childhood. Of, right, right. Yeah. Instead of just saying like, I'm sorry. And it's okay that you feel awful. We don't hear enough. It's okay that you feel awful. It's always look at what you should be grateful for. Look mm-hmm. at, uh, look on the sunny side of the street when if we don't acknowledge it and I saw that very much so with uh, the birth of my first daughter because so much was pushed down and because um, so much wasn't dealt with I realized that like every year on her birthday I have a little bit of probably PTSD Uh um, is what has been said to me because it wasn't dealt with and I wasn't allowed to acknowledge that uh, my birth experience was traumatic and that the bonding that didn't get to happen, I didn't get to have her on my chest, like all mm-hmm. of that uh, Which is factors so, so in important. so much. And uh, so, yeah, it's just been really interesting. It is neat, though. I 
with the birth of our second daughter. So it was a cesarean section because a couple factors, but apparently, which this should have been a sign, my ex-husband and I's genetic recombination creates very hard-headed children. So none of, all of them were born with completely fused fontanelles. So no soft spots. Wow. Yeah, so Hard there's headed. no... Cause, so, because I look like... Like, I'm six yeah. feet tall. I'm not tiny. Uh -huh. I look like I should be able to birth a baby. Uh -huh. And then my grand, my maternal grandmother, after the fact, also said, should I have told someone they had to break my pelvis both times oh. I gave birth? And I said, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that Whenever been you good mark info. down family history <laughs> on things, that's really important info, oh, Grandma. I had to break my pelvis. Yeah. Um, oh. So, and I wanted to try a VBAC, which is a vaginal birth after cesarean. And Illinois has pretty uh, hardcore, what is the... Regulations. Uh, regulations. Regulations and malpractice. Nah. Yeah, mm -hmm. all of that. So there was no provider that, because of how it had happened, was willing to let me try. And so we had actually moved to St. Louis and had to drive back Ugh. because of insurance stuff for the birth of our second daughter. And we got there, and my OB had gone into labor. Wow. Like two months early. And so I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like this was really traumatic yeah. the first time. And now I'm not. And the doctor that had been on call, I had heard like she's older. She has horrible bedside manner. I'm just like, this is going to be awful. Um, and I'm just doing a lot of praying and a lot of trusting. And I get on the operating table and the doctor was very matter of fact, very ma, 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 ma. But my doctor, because she was so young, I had asked, can I have the skin to skin? Because they're mm -hmm. starting to do more gentle uh, C-sections, which mm -hmm. is amazing. She said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. And with all the drugs and everything, I'm afraid you might drop her. So that's going to have to wait. And I had just resigned myself to mm -hmm. that wasn't something I was going to get. And so when the older doctor uh, pulled my daughter out. She said, this baby's perfect. Get her on her and threw her on my chest. And it wow. was one of the most redemptive moments uh -huh. um, of my entire life. And so that was really amazing and really beautiful. I also um, got my placenta encapsulated. Oh, <laughs> not everyone can say that. Not everyone so can say that. I'm all about, uh, all about medication for regulating uh -huh. and helping mental health. I also enjoy foraying into some of the hippy dippy stuff uh -huh, from uh -huh. time to time and had researched this and wanted to try it. Um, we had to fight to get it. I was just going to say, were they even used to? Yeah. Yeah. They were really uh, not thrilled about it. There's only one placenta encapsulated. She was born in Bloomington, normal. Uh -huh. Um, there was only one in <laughs> placenta encapsulator who also worked at State Farm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so she came in. Everyone works at State right, Farm, everyone right? Everyone works at State Farm mm -hmm. in Bloomington, Normal, because it's the world headquarters for now. Mm -hmm. um, and so when she came in to finally give it back to me, she was like, you know, I thought it was going to be dried out yesterday. But I'm so excited that it was so big that it took so long to dry out that it wasn't done until today because yesterday was an auspicious day. Oh. 
And so it's just my dad and I and my daughter uh, in the room. My husband and my mom and our other daughter had gone for a walk. And so my mom comes back and my dad and I are losing it Uh and telling her. And she's like, do we need to pray over those pills? And I'm like, mom, she's at best wicked. Like, come on. I'm not getting a lot of evangelical Christian placenta encapsulators in Bloomington, Normal, Illinois. Not going to happen. No, but I was like, I felt that it helped and it might have been just, you know, pure, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about this. And that's why it's helping. Um, But it's one of those like little things like that. I think it's important for moms and anyone if something is working for you and other people think it's silly, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. Like, essential oils or what you know what i mean if what people is people are willing you. to yeah exactly um and so yeah i really i don't know where we were going well i think we're on the right path <laughs> all right so you know you you mentioned uh people you know not sp- the grieving component right yes. or being there yes. with somebody i think you're so right with that because I think with grieving, a lot of times people are, I can't tell you how many people I've worked with that have said, you know, no one's asking, they've gone through something, they've lost somebody or something. Yeah. And they're like, people don't even ask or ask no. me how I'm doing. No. And so, you know, the flip side is people are like, I don't want to upset that person mm-hmm. because if I bring it up, it, they might become an emotional wreck or something, right. or they might right. start crying. And, but like more often than not, you hear from people like they want someone just to check in. Just to check and in. as you pointed out, it's just to be there and right. say, yeah, it's just to be this, there. I'm going to listen to you. I don't need yeah. to fix it. And, you know, that's a huge part of counseling as well, too. Yeah. Of course, you know, counselors are supposed to be good listeners and they're supposed to be able to provide interventions. But a lot of times it's about being there mm-hmm. for the person. Right. You know? Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, with the with the divorce, because I was working with my husband and obviously worshiping with my husband, there was a lot of loss uh, oh, yeah. very quickly that occurred. And one thing I think we've really lost in our uh, society with friendships and relationships that I look back and read like books like The Red Tent or even biblical stuff, and I just can't even explain how many nights in my new apartment I would cry and just think, I just wish I had someone to hold me while I cry, Mm -hmm. like someone to touch me, someone to even just say like, you're real, you're here. Um, And I think we just, we get so scared of that intimacy. Like we've been led to believe, uh, I think by society and the media that touching has to be this sexual thing Mm -hmm. and um, that we can't care for one another in that way. And yet there are how many studies proven about hugs and what they actually do for us. And so um, just, yeah, it's, and I did lose a lot of friends that just couldn't, I'm sure that was really difficult. Um, And honestly, the comedy community was amazing. Support. And so supportive. um, And I am so thankful. It was hard for me because I sat there thinking, and I'm already attending a new church that I love. Um, Am I allowed to say You can say the name. Okay, yeah. The Gathering um, is the church that I'm attending. And I absolutely love it and seeing on the worship team there. And, um, but I just remember, you know, in my, some of my quiet times with God, like God, like I had wanted these friends, these comedy friends to come to church. I think it's not a, uh, 
unknown fact that most comedians aren't big fans of the church. <laughs> I would say I am definitely the odd man out mm-hmm. uh, with my faith in that community. And I'm just like, why in the world would this happen where they would see this, like see this harsh reality of, cause my church did really turn its back on me as well. Mm-hmm. And I hate that they're seeing this. I hate that they might be turned off and, it was really them being able to see that I still sought after that relationship. They're like, why aren't you saying F you to God, F you to mm-hmm. church? Um, and I'm like, because my ex-husband is not God. Mm-hmm. And Correct. my yeah. ex-husband's church is not the church. Um, and so for me to throw the baby out with the bathwater, mm-hmm. so to speak, would be uh, denying myself something really, really life-giving and... So I actually have had some of them even church shop with me, which is, wow. yeah, it was really neat. Yeah. Um, Exposing and so, people to a whole different right, world exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of my mental health journey has been just kind of trusting um, God or the universe or whatever mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. one would like to call it. Um, I actually had to, after... So when was the when was the eclipse? Two, was that last year? Two thousand and seventeen. It was two thousand seventeen. In was it in it like was the June? summer? Yeah. Yeah, August. Okay, so in August, and I was so I am on medication for anxiety and had to go off of it for the pregnancy, um, which is another thing that gave me so much empathy and awareness for. Uh, drug addiction uh-huh. uh, and this may be a little like deep for mm-hmm. people or intense but I I had to go off of it and I was like this is why like mm-hmm. this is why people get addicted to drugs it was painful I was foggy it was awful and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and so I I'm not thankful I went through it, but I'm thankful that I have that perspective now. You, you can now understand of, on a different yes, level. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. I think it's so easy for us to be like, oh, you horrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, Why? Oh, that's a choice. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. When, oh my goodness, if I could have made the choice to keep taking it, I would have been taking it. Um, and so I needed to get in with a new psychiatrist in order to figure stuff out and our insurance had changed, and so there was only one place I could go, and they were booked up for months, except for the date of the eclipse. <laughs> and during the eclipse, the eclipse, like the time during the eclipse, and I was at that time a homeschool mom, and I'm just like, I'm gonna one, I'm gonna be the worst homeschool uh-huh. mom in the world <laughs> if I'm not with my kids yeah. doing all the projects, the about expectations the of it. Yes, um, and two, like I really want to see the eclipse, uh-huh. and I just felt this like still small voice continuously being like, you need, like you need to go, like you need mm-hmm. to go and take, like yes, this is a like life-changing event for people to view and see but you have to take care of yourself first uh and so i was like okay fine i'm gonna go but i took two pairs of of eclipse glasses and just in case and when we got into the uh appointment i was like do you do you want to i really want to see and she was like 
Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> I really wanted to see it too. But and I you don't scheduled have, this appointment right. with me. <laughs> She's like, but I don't have glasses. And I was like, I brought an extra pair just for you. And where where the office was at at the time, uh, there were also a bunch of nuns right there. And so we were all outside, like, and it was huh. this deeply spiritual uh just really moving thing and i'm just like this is what happens when we like listen to the universe and take and prioritize our self-care like Mm -hmm. beautiful amazing things happen that we didn't have any idea were possible um so yeah wow yeah, like you said, I mean, it's all meant to be sometimes, right? Right, right absolutely. You know, it, you also mentioned, you know, touch and the importance of that. We had um, a couple of weeks back, we did a podcast with Soul Shine, uh, Barefoot Massage. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, another yeah. plug to them. <laughs> um, but, you know, and we talked a little bit about that. And it's just like, you know, you think about like seniors as well, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh they lose goodness. their loved ones or they end up living by themselves or they're in right. some type of retirement community. And the touch that they do don't receive and just mm-hmm. how how nurturing and valuable that is and right. uh well and babies who don't get help yes, right in yes. orphanages and all the studies and, yeah yes absolutely yeah. and so when you think then about you know just that initial touch like you said after the c-section mm-hmm. after birth right um and that initial touch that you're craving as a mom and yeah. then the baby and the and that's where it all well it starts in the womb right all the bonding right. and and relationship but yeah. right off the bat you know when you're missing that you mm-hmm. know um how would you describe that? Like you said, when she ended up on your chest, right? Mm, yeah. Um, how would you describe, like, if, you know, for a male who's right, listening right, right, or someone right. else who, you know, hasn't been able to put that in the words? I mean, it's a very, like, the endorphins are nuts uh, because it's like there's scientific backing to mm-hmm. everything that's happening in our bodies and uh, brains and your hormones. And it's just like this thing that you, because, like, nature we are women are created to have babies uh and so it's like a fulfillment of like Mm -hmm. the end and also the beginning of a process um and so yeah it's just amazing Mm -hmm. wow (laughs) i'm not saying everyone should go out and have babies (laughs) oh no i'm I'm quoting you pro birth control (laughs) do i have to make all my (laughs) yeah um so so when you talk about anxiety as well too yeah. and medication and yeah. stuff, did that yeah. the the you know, a lot of for a lot of people medication doesn't work right, right. off the bat. Right. Right. I was very lucky in that the medication I was prescribed first uh is what worked for me. And I understand it does not always work that way. And so I've been very, very thankful. Um also, the medication aspect, especially in the church, took me a long time to accept and have a willingness to do that mm-hmm. and to admit it. And it's interesting, even now, like I'll talk to some people and they're just like, oh, oh, there's still some judgment because yeah. in the church, we we're all about chemo for cancer. But when it comes to mental health, we get very like, oh, we don't quite understand. Uh-huh. Like that. Pray it away. Exactly. Yeah. Pray mm-hmm. it away is a very real thing. And I'm just like, no, if we're going to acknowledge what our bodies and science and all of that for this, we've got to do it for that yeah. as Why well. Why is the brain any right. different than right. our heart or yeah. other parts? Yeah. You know? Yeah. The stigma is, um, like you said, it's, it's still there, mm-hmm. you know, and it's still embedded. Um, I think 
you know, younger generations uh, seem to be a little bit more open, yeah. um, you know, but but still, you know, we, we see it and we hear mm-hmm. it. And, you know, you get into small towns and people look at where the car is parked. Oh, you know, yeah. we have clients that say like, oh, my gosh, you know, so-and-so is mm-hmm. going to know I'm here because, you know, and right. it's, it's like and we're, you know, we always try to clean up, you know, stuff as fast as possible, even though it's years and years and centuries of oh judging people. Yeah. And so it's going to take a while to get rid of it. But, you know, having these conversations like this where people can acknowledge like, yeah, I've got it's something so and important. I'm dealing with it. That's what I think. If everyone I would be in therapy every single day if I could, if Not I had the thing. time and yeah. the money. Oh, my goodness. It's wonderful. I was talking to someone earlier today and they were complaining because of Wimbledon. They were complaining about how Serena Williams, after she threw that fit, uh, that she went to had to go to therapy before she was ready to apologize to her opponent. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, "Are you? I mean, we should all be in therapy. Uh-huh. And they're like, well, never mind. I'm yeah. not going to talk yeah. to you about yeah. it. Yeah. Like they were trying to make it a bad thing. I'm like, look at her humility that she was willing to say, yes. I need to work through this to figure out why I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, because that's the thing. It's people are just, it's just ingrained mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, or, or we're, we're so judgmental on the medication as you pointed out right. too. And because there's a lot of fears, you know, so and many. yes, there's side effects to every medication, mm-hmm. right? And Everything. so you do have to pay attention to those things, but people are always afraid. Um, you know, what you hear a lot of times like, well, I don't want that to get in there and to change my thoughts. You yeah. know, yeah. I don't want that to, you know, change me. Right. And uh, like, do you say that when you take ibuprofen? Do you right. say that when you take, um, you know, your insulin, you know, things of that nature. And so somehow, you know, and it's about education Mm -hmm. and what it's really about and helping people kind of understand those things. Definitely. So, uh, you know, do you practice your stand up in front of your kids? Like, is that your like Um, uh, testing ground or anything? So I do, I do do a lot of it in front of them. Uh, they, uh, actually one night the funny bone was not doing the open mic for some reason and I took them to, they were doing a workshop instead. And I took them to Fuzzy's for Taco uh-huh. Tuesday. And then we went in to say hi to everyone and they hadn't started the workshop. And so they actually let the girls go up and tell some jokes, which was <laughs> amazing. Uh, and then I tried to make some of my uh, colleagues go up and tell some clean jokes, but that was a struggle. That was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that yes. was a bit of struggle. It's interesting too, uh, from a psychological perspective. So I consider myself clean, but I do, I do talk about pooping while giving Uh birth. And then I also talk about with the birth of our son on Valentine's day. Um, he actually, I went into labor a day early. Mm -hmm. It was scheduled for February 15th. And I tried to tell my then husband, they're probably not going to believe me because women do crazy things to have their babies on specific days. And I could have cared less if he was born on Valentine's day. Cause my birthday is two days after Christmas. My mm. little brother, five years younger than me is the exact same day. Whoa. My wow. dad's birthday is nine months earlier <laughs> to the date. <laughs> my mom's birthday is Christmas day. And then we're a like pastor family, uh-huh. and so Christmas is nuts. Oh yeah, um, and so <laughs> I know. So I was hoping like oh as far away from holidays as possible. They didn't believe me. It took them forever to actually call my OB and get me pain medication, which is just another. I mean, yeah, birth in America is yeah. ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I finally get on the operating table. 
I joke that my son knew the world he was coming into because he actually came out fist first and they had to shove it back wow. in. It's <laughs> so like something out of a zombie movie, fist but also the first. resistance, you know. Fight the power. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so I was definitely a little groggy from the epidural and my husband, he had the nurse take a picture of him and the baby and then he sent it to a bunch of people and then about an hour later, we got a call from my mom saying we should probably look in the upper left-hand corner of the picture, and it was it was my vagina. Oh, <laughs> yes. my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it's just from, like, right under my chest down with my hand out. So if it uh-huh. was in black and white, it looks like we lost the mother, but the baby's oh. healthy. <laughs> So I have a I have a joke I have a bit where I say vagina quite a few times uh-huh. and I just remember the first time I workshopped it all my because I'm there are more women coming up in the St Louis scene which is amazing but it's uh-huh. primarily a white male yes uh, field yeah. and so um, they were just like can't you can't you call it something else I'm like no I can't no, like I don't call I'm it not anything going to. else yeah. so I'm not going to and if you're uncomfortable yeah, with the proper like term you say it too many times <laughs> I'm like nope I don't and but so for that reason I'm sometimes considered dirty wow using yeah. the proper terminology uh-huh. uh is crossing yeah. the line yeah ouch but I don't think I have male counterparts who are much dirtier, but because the content is more comfortable, mm-hmm. they're not considered as dirty. Mm-hmm. And so there's definitely a double standard with me being a woman up there talking about I was just about, getting ready to ask about that. Because yes. it is, like you said, Absolutely. predominantly mm-hmm. male-dominated, you know, with um, the Netflix, mm-hmm. Mrs. Ma- Marvelous Maisel. Miss Maisel. Maisel. Yeah. Was that, no, it wasn't Netflix. It was Prime. Amazon. Amazon, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like, you know, well, okay, there's maybe something that could right, show right. Um, some gender yeah. um, differences. But, you know, the reality is, yeah, so like how do you cope with that? It sounds like you said this, the, the comedic scene in St. Louis has been oh, pretty so supportive. supportive. So supportive. But it's still probably, supportive. like you said, nuances like that. You yeah, know, where, yeah. It's yeah. a very real thing where it can feel, you can start to, too, and I think this is uh, maybe an example of male privilege where I'm – I can find myself questioning too, okay, did I make it on this because I'm funny? Which I am. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'll just be. <laughs> you made me laugh a couple times, so that's good. I'll yeah. Just, yeah. It's okay <laughs> to say what you are. Exactly. It's, it's a strength. Um, yes. But uh, you can, early on, I was like, did I get this because I'm funny or because they needed to make sure they had at least one woman? Hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a, a questioning. Um, and then also it goes in reverse where it's like, only one woman made the list. Yeah. Why didn't I also make the list? Uh-huh. Uh, so it can be, which I don't know. I've never sat down with any of my white male uh, counterparts and asked them if they ever feel that way. But my educated guess <laughs> is that they do not. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I encourage you to have that conversation <laughs> with them. It might <laughs> them open their eyes or at least make them feel uncomfortable, right? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> have a little fun with it. Wow. Um, we've been here today with Meredith Hopping, a uh, local comedian, mom. You know, and, you know, it's funny beforehand, I was like, you know, how do you want me to introduce you? Just kind of, we were prepping. Yeah. I was like, how about woman of power? And as you're talking, wow, yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank 
you so yeah. much. I mean, that you've, means so much. You've overcome a lot, and uh, you continue to make a lot of strides, it sounds like. So pretty cool stuff you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's funny, too. I had, like, this sign earlier. So we had you, you know, booked for today to uh -huh. come on the show. And then uh, uh, one of my coworkers, uh, Debbie Dugan, the lovely Debbie <laughs> Dugan, um, she sent me this uh, this uh, text of um, uh, who's coming to town because mm -hmm. she knew I was a big Meredith Baxter Bernie fan. Oh my from goodness! Back in the I day. have a new bit about that right now. Really? That's who I'm named after. You know she's whoa, really? Yeah. See, this is yeah. meant to be. And you know she's coming to town? I did not know that. She just said she, uh, the, the, the theater uh, in Webster Groves. Uh, repertory? Really? Yes. She's going to oh be here for goodness. like weeks at a time. You're going to be that close <laughs> to Meredith Baxter Bernie. So it's like I love and Mrs. Keaton, you know, family yeah. ties. And apparently your parents were big fans of yes, hers. Yes, they were. Wow. And you are named after her? I'm named after her. But my bit is... Because not a lot of my uh, peers know who she is. <laughs> and people are like, they think like, oh, Meredith, it's probably after some like Welsh medieval yes, princess exactly. or something. Meredith. And I'm like, no, yes. it's Meredith Baxter Birdie, the mom from Family Ties and a couple of Lifetime movies yes. you've never heard of. <laughs> so that's why, because I joke about how my... This isn't completely true. He was watching a lot of Netflix, but people are like, could you see the divorce coming? And so I joke that he was watching a lot of Netflix, particularly The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up by Marie Kondo. And so he held me and decided I didn't spark joy anymore. But my middle name is Joy on top of it, which... My parents had to do that after naming me after <laughs> Meredith Baxter Bernie. They had to shove something in there that was a little That's more good. spunky and. Uh, now, yeah. now, was your dad like had a thing for Meredith Baxter no, Bernie? Just, they just were. Yeah. They just admired her. If I, they just admired her. If I was a girl, which I was, uh -huh. I was going to be good. Meredith. Wow. Meredith Joy, and if I was a boy, it was going to be Matthew Josiah. So. Oh, not the dad from uh, Family Ties. No. Michael Gross. <laughs> um, wow, well, that's yeah. cool. That's, that's cool. That's so funny. Yeah, so I was like, yeah, we got her, and then uh, Meredith Hopping coming on a date, and Debbie sends me this text of uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie's coming to town. And so I'm like, all right, so it's going to be a good day. day. And then now you are actually named after her, yeah. so it's... <laughs> Full circle for me. Absolutely. So hopefully we'll have her on the podcast. Right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's my goal. Okay. But, you know, anyway, I have lots of goals that <laughs> sometimes Midcoast Media does not help come through. <laughs> um, let's see if Chris actually listens all the way through <laughs> exactly. the end of a podcast. Come right? on, Chris. Make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. <laughs> we will be tagging Meredith Baxter Bernie <laughs> in this podcast on social media. But anyway, we have had um, an excellent conversation, um, talking mental health, talking life, um, and um, some great, great examples of um, how you have uh, handled a lot of stressors in your yeah. life. So uh, once again, we've been with Meredith Hopping. Thank you so much for having, uh, for actually coming on yes, with us today. Thank so, you. And uh, if uh, you got any dates coming up or anything? Um, I do. Actually, if you want to come out July 22nd, I am in the semifinal round of the Funny Bone Contest. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I'm very excited about that. And then July 18th, I am actually on We Are Live, which is I've heard of them. Media. You've yes. heard of them, maybe. Yes. Uh, Mid Coast mm -hmm. Media, We Are Live's uh, Free Comedy Thursday at Southtown Pub. 
Excellent. Well, yeah. good luck. And Thank so July 22nd at Funny Bones? Yes. I have free comps if anyone would All like right. to come. All right. <laughs> Let's get out there and support <laughs> Meredith Hopping. So... Um, thank you. And once again, this has been Mental Health Matters. If you are interested in checking us out and checking our services out, go to www. I don't even need to say www anymore. No, you know, no, it made me sound like <laughs> I'm kind of old. But anyway, go to stlouiscounseling.org. That's saint spelled out, stlouiscounseling.org. Until next time, this is Mental Health Matters. Thank you. This has been Mental Health Matters with Tom Duff of St. Louis Counseling Services. Check out stlouiscounseling.org for more information.